The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning, Stone Oak. Uh, It's a blessing to have this opportunity to come before you. My name is Herbert Burnett. I'm one of the elders for those who don't know me. Um, we're going to finish on in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Justin left off at verse uh, 25, and we're going to be reading today from verses 26 through 30. So if you could grab your Bible, let us pray. Father, I want to say thank you for this opportunity to declare the truth of your word and the faithfulness you have for us to perfect us into the image of your son. Now I ask that you use me, speak through me. I ask that you glorify yourself, glorify the plan that you made out before the creation to redeem those who would receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So let us look at uh, Romans chapter eight, starting at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit help us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you remember last week, as Justin was preaching, caught him off guard. He had to preach from this same platform uh, in one of the elders' homes. Uh, he was talking about summation of it all briefly, the hope, and in the midst of the hope, groaning with expectation of the redemptive work of God. And now we are going into how the spirit it also is also groaning. We talked about how creation groaned and how creation was under the curse because of the act of the first federal head, which was Adam. And Adam disobeyed God and God also, among the things he did was pronounce a means of redemption in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head but after he finished talking about childbearing and um, how the woman would have desires for the husband, he talked about how the earth would be cursed. And since then, the earth has actually been in hope of the sons of God, the redemptive work of God through his son for the sons of God are those who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look in verse 26, we're seeing how the spirit of God 
works on our behalf in our weakness when it comes to prayer. Now, it's not that we can't pray. It's sometimes we don't know what to say when we do pray. And sometimes even when we do pray, we don't always believe what we pray. So even when we are praying, a lot of times when we're praying, we're praying amiss, talks about in James chapter four. We're praying for our own desires to be met. We're praying for things to turn out for it to be easy for us instead of God using the circumstance we're in to make us holy through the situation. How many times we pray for troubles not to come our way? We pray for us not to face trials. We pray that the sun will shine on us every day and that there would not be a day of storm. But as you know from this past week, life is full of storms, unpredicted storms, storms we cannot control, storms that we may see, but we do not know the length of time that is going to be there. You see, the meteorologist said we were only going to get snow on Monday. Then they came back Monday, said it was going to be in Tuesday. Then they said cold weather was going to leave on Wednesday. Now they said, oh, it's going to go to Thursday. Life has a way of surprising us just like I'm here. Instead of being at Living Rock, I'm here at an elder's house preaching because we got a surprise at the last moment that the causes of the storm were still taking effect in our life. How many people you know the causes of the, their storms tear them down, trap them, destroy them? They wander from God. They stop trusting God. They deny that God even exists because to them, the storm has been too hard. The storm has taken too long and they have not seen their prayers answered. As we look at verse 26, we see that in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us, intercedes for us, interject on our behalf. Some of us might get tripped up in regards to seeing the, that the Holy Spirit groans with words too deep to express. Understand this. Even Jesus was fervent in prayer in, in the Garden of Gethsemane when the things of life got hard and Jesus always knew how to pray. And Jesus never had a prayer not answered. And he always prayed his best part according to the will of the Father. See, the job of the Holy Spirit isn't for our prayers to be answered the way we want them answered. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take the circumstances we are in and convey them to the Father. Not that God doesn't know, but to make sure God is there and available. God wants to help us and give us aid. See, just like FEMA is a government program to aid Texas in any other country, any other state that's in dire problems right now, God is our aid. Aid to help us be everything he has ordained for us to be in Christ Jesus. See, the first thing that God did to aid us 
is to give us the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it was best for us to go away because if he didn't go away, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. The Holy Spirit is called our advocate, the paracletus, the one who comes alongside, helps us, build us up, and enable us to live the Christian life. Romans chapter 8 goes strictly through the blessing of being born again and having the Holy Spirit work in us, work through us, guide us, and help us. And in this text, the Holy Spirit is taking our prayers, the heart of the prayer, the heart of the intention of what we need and who we need and always transferring back to us hope. That's why true Christians persevere because the Holy Spirit in a time of dire need, when we feel like we can't go any farther, the Holy Spirit gives us hope. Gives us hope that God is real. Gives us hope that we're not alone. Gives us hope that God is sovereign over our circumstances. You see, um, the Bible also says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11, well, back, back part of um, verse 10, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that man, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. See, not only is the Holy Spirit groaning on our behalf, He's fighting for us, and we have the Son at the right hand of the Father being the advocate for us as our high priest. But their main purpose is to see in our lives God's will being done. You know, we trip over that because when we start thinking God's will being done in our lives, we start thinking about God is going to take me from where I live and take me to some far country to be a missionary filled with mosquitoes, running from hyenas, scared of poisonous snakes that could harm us. You see, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you're made to give God glory. And whatever God has called you to do, God will enable you to do. So God will gift you by his spirit to do his will. And God's greatest desire is to see Christ manifesting you. That's why when trials come, it is God putting us in the crucible of his will to turn up the heat, to get the dross of our flesh out the way. Although we are to crucify our flesh daily, how many of you know we really don't crucify our flesh daily? So God comes alongside the perfect aid to transform us into the image of Christ by turning up the heat. And when he turns up the heat, it causes us for those who are born again and filled with God's Holy Spirit to lean into Christ, to rely on his scripture, to surrender to the authority of God, because you know that that's the only thing that can help you. See, Jesus, although he was a son, it talks about in Hebrews chapter five, verse eight, although he was a son, he learned 
obedience through the things he suffered. How many times we don't learn obedience, Christians, until we go through a trial and we have to lean on God's holy scripture. God's scripture is sufficient to sustain you in a time of a storm. The word of God, even though it's not stated in the text, is what the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts. It is what the Holy Spirit used to reaffirm to us the sufficiency of Christ. God lets us know, God reminds us of who we are in Christ by his spirit through the scripture. You see, I don't know about you, but when I don't stay in the word, I become intolerable to live with. I have a beautiful wife, very patient, beautiful daughters, and I love them dearly. But my old nature starts to rise up. When things get too hard, when the pressures of my job get too much for me, or the circumstances I'm thinking about get too much for me, and if I'm not in God's scripture, and if I'm not allowing God's scripture to speak to me by the Holy Spirit, see, I just don't read the word to read the word. I read the word to see what the spirit of God has to say to me about the word of God. I don't go into the word of God with my own interpretation. The Holy Spirit is going to bring to my heart the heart and mind of God because he knows what God has for me. And he's going to remind me how much he loves me. He's going to remind me how faithful he is. He's going to remind me I'm dead. I'm alive in Christ. I am a new creation. He's going to show me the sufficiency of the, of, the Christ, of the Christ who died on the cross. And he's also going to show me the resurrected Lord. See, if we haven't seen anything in studying Romans, we see the sufficiency of God's grace. God's grace in answering his son's prayers in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, when Jesus in fervent prayer said, Father, if it's thy will, if there's any other way, but if not, thy will be done. And when Jesus went through his trial, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. See, if we're going to be imitators of Christ each day, we got to say, Father, thy will be done. This is what I'm facing, God, but your will be done. On this circumstances. This is what I'm facing in my marriage, God, but your will be done in these circumstances. This is what I'm facing when I lost my job, God, but your will be done in these circumstances. This is what I'm facing with my kids, God, but your will be done in these circumstances. And at the end of life, when God has proven himself faithful, you can say once again, Father, like the son said, into your spirit, into your hands, I commit my spirit. The faithfulness of God will give you the confidence when you're facing death <laughs> that the sting of death been defeated. Because Jesus Christ 
rising from the dead will be a reality to you, not because you're facing death, but because God has given you that hope to persevere in that hope, making you not ashamed. See, God's desire for you is Romans 8, 28. Let's look at that scripture. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is for mankind to know his true identity. And you can't know your true identity apart from the designer. Everything that has been valuably created has an instruction manual. You don't know the true purpose of what you're looking at until you read the instruction manual. Many people, although we have new cars with new gadgets, we really don't enjoy the full functionality of the car because we never take the instruction manual and read it. You would never know the full benefit of what it means to be born again by the spirit of the living God if you don't take God's instruction manual and read it. So the Holy Spirit can talk to your heart, the will of God and the purpose of God. And when the Holy Spirit talks to your heart, the will of God and the purpose of God, you're ready to do God's will. Christ said when you walk around, I always do those things that please the Father. Because <laughs> he spent time in God's word. Because the Holy Spirit spoke to him and gave him as a man, his directions, his calling card. He did not allow anyone to get him off his calling. Even when Peter said, not so, Lord, after Peter had gotten um, a revelation of who Jesus is up in Caesarea Philippi, when he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And then Jesus go on to say that he's going to have to die. Peter didn't like what that was coming to because of the friendship that they had. And he was trying to interject human wisdom on a God-ordained purpose and plan. I'm here to tell you, you cannot, I cannot, we cannot interject our own human wisdom when it comes to raising our kids, keeping our marriage happy, or being a faithful, most important thing, being a faithful servant of the identity and lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't bring your human wisdom into being a witness, a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and show you what you need to say and what you need to do to witness to that one. You know the one we're talking about here at Stone Oak. We talk about who's your one. Well, that one you're praying about, that one you're asking God for, don't take human wisdom. Don't figure out a plan on how you're going to do something until the Holy Spirit talks to you. And don't take credit for it when the Holy Spirit uses you to identify to them who Jesus is. See, that's your whole purpose. As never as a child of God is to remind those who are in are in the family, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for your life. That's why we need to be in our community group so we can sharpen one another. We can encourage one another. 
with the truth of scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit. God got a purpose for your life. For when those times, when the storm gets the best of us, see, each of us has a house and all of us didn't um, suffer the same consequences when it came to our house. Some of us only lost internet. Some of us lost power. Some of us lost power for one day. Some of us lost power for three days. Some of us um, lost water pressure. Some of us lost all water pressure. But no matter what, while we were, this is what we were doing, Stone Oak. While we were together, we were trying to text one another. We were trying to encourage one another with scripture. We were even trying to tell jokes to lighten up the moment. Because community matters. Iron sharpens iron. Who is in your life to remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus? God didn't cause us to be long ranger servers. He didn't cause us to be long ranger soldiers. He didn't call us to run this race by ourselves. You need somebody by your side. Yes, your primary source of hearing the word of God and understanding the word of God is the scriptures. Is, I mean, is the Holy Spirit. But how you know? The Holy Spirit also uses people indirectly. He speaks through those who are in the body of Christ to encourage us, to affirm to us who we are. That's how you know you're walking on the right path. That's how you know you're walking in your gifting because the Holy Spirit will speak through other people in the body of Christ saying, you have been called to such and such. You've been called to preach. You've been called to teach. You've been called to um, uh, focus on hospitality. God knows how he has bent us and God, the Spirit knows how he has gifted us and he gives other people in the body of Christ, wisdom and discernment to see those giftings and callings. We need one another. God has a full, full, foolproof plan in redeeming us, if I can say it right. His plan helps us see who we are in Christ. And his plan gives us the strength to run the race. You see, as we go on in this text, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. This isn't predestined in salvation. This is predestined in being victorious. That's a shot right there. You're already victorious in the very things you're facing. If you realize God has given you, has come to your aid, given you the scriptures, given you his servants, given you the spirit. Because he's predestined you to be victorious and most of all to be conformed. This is what he's really predestined you to be into the image of Christ. God wants to transition you from glory to glory. Let me read that scripture to you right quick. We are looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, meaning Jesus Christ, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You see, not by age should you be looking like Jesus, but by the spirit. As you allow the spirit of God to infill you, guide you lead you, hear what he has to say from the heart of the Father back to you as he groans for you, as he fights for you in the realm of the Spirit. You should be looking more like Jesus. You should be acting 
more like Christ. There should be a distinction between who you are in the kingdom of God and who someone else is that isn't in the kingdom of God. Hear me on this. Just like there is a distinction in language, you can, you can tell the difference when a person is speaking Spanish. You can tell the difference from a person who's speaking English. They're both speaking a language of their culture, but it's different. People of the kingdom of God speak life, speak truth, speak righteousness, and declare hope in the only Savior there is. Oh, that's a different language than the world. The world is everybody is equal playing grounds. Your God is no better than my God. Your truth is no better than my truth. There is no such thing as wickedness. Everything is fair game. But when that's the kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of light, you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know that no one can come unto the Father but by him. And as he said to Nicodemus, again, you see, as we become conformer to the image of Christ, we quit being ashamed of the gospel. We start telling anyone and everyone God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You also tell him God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world was condemned already. Already. <laughs> we need a, a God bailout plan. And the Father is the only one who can come to our aid. And when the father comes to our aid, he, he magnifies the son. And when the father comes to our aid, he transforms us into the image of the son. And just because we're in the image of the son, I want you to always remember and always know and always understand. Jesus is the firstborn. Even though we're in his image, Jesus has preeminence. Jesus will always be our Lord. Jesus will always be in a position of honor. Jesus will always be the one we bow down to. Although we will reflect his divine nature and we have received this through God, uh, Christ's humanity as a blessing as for God to show the richness of his grace. He has given us his divine nature by which we were reflected through the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't get it twisted. We shall bow down before Christ. And we shall declare him king of kings and lord of lords. You see, as I close, Texas is going to be looking for help from the federal government, from FEMA, actually. Uh, a plan in which the government has organized to help citizens of this country. I'm here to tell you the father has a plan. And this plan comes to our aid to remind us that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. May God bless you and keep you. May God shine his face 
upon you and be gracious to you. 